Life Audio. Hi, I'm Cynthia Garrett, and welcome to Girl Club. We'll be right with you after these messages. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Hello, everybody. I am Cynthia Garrett, and welcome to Cynthia Garrett's Girl Club. Well, we get a full house in studio today. The tribe is here. The the OG tribe is here, and um, that always makes me happy. And, you know, honestly, uh, we've been having a lot of talks here, you know, us real girls having real talks about real issues while seeking to apply real faith. And um, throughout the course of these talks, these discussions, this reasoning together that God is good. Um, And through our journey, you know, always looking to apply the word of God to everyday situations, we've kind of come to the conclusion that everything stems back to identity. Who are you as created by God? What does he want for your life? You know, uh, I think those are the two seminal questions that uh, really we carry with us through everything that we do. You know, that and what's my purpose. But even the answer to what's my purpose is rooted in who are you and why did God create you? And I guess ultimately the overriding question that we always need to be asking ourselves is who is God? You know, what are his characteristics? What are his traits? What are his attributes? You know, we know he's a loving God, but what other things make him who he is as the ruler of our lives and our Lord and Savior? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So I want to dive in today with um, your tribe of co-hosts, three women that I know you guys love as much as I do, Nova Page, Christina Reynolds, and Christina Boudreaux, lovingly known as CB for Boudreaux and CR for Reynolds to distinguish the two Christinas here. You know, each of them in their own right is a powerhouse teacher, evangelist, uh, singer and songwriter. Nova and Christina have you know, amazing works for you guys to check out on their websites um, if you want to check out their music. But um, today, I just thought, you know, we would open up by, first of all, we've got some new people joining us today. So hello to you, John. I I see Patterson, I think I see. And I see, yeah, I see a lot of regulars uh, joining us from around the world. Yes, it is very windy in California, uh, one of our regulars commented. And um, yes, it's officially spring in the UK. Uh, another one of our regulars has commented that the clock has finally gone forward in the UK and it's officially spring, but it's still cold. So <laughs> so um, you guys, as we kind of dive in this morning, I'm, you know, I, I've had a lot of stuff swirling around in my head because we've been having so many interesting conversations about so many things. And we have a really exciting guest coming up soon named Beckett Cook, who has written a book called A Change of Affection. So you can kind of imagine this book is about his journey from being a gay man and living very successfully a gay lifestyle and um, having, he actually amassed a lot of fame and success in Hollywood. Um, He ran with a pretty heavy crowd of Hollywood hitters and, um, 
everybody I think was okay, you know, with him encountering Jesus and changing his life. But the boat got really rocky and he got canceled by a lot of his friends and um, longtime friends, you know, and colleagues at work when he wrote this book, A Change of Affection. And I guess my question to you guys in anticipation of having Beckett come on soon, why do you think, because I, I've kind of experienced this one myself where like, it's okay if you're a Christian in, a, in certain circles, they don't really mind. It's when you begin to speak out loud about your faith and actually talk about the, the intricacies and the details of what your faith is about, you know, when it changes how you vote and it changes how you live. Why is it that things become not okay then? Hmm. Curious, you know, and, um, you know, I, 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 you don't have to dive in quickly to it. I can kind of, you know, set that question there. And I, I, I want to throw it out to you guys also watching. Um, if you're watching on live stream, I'd love for you to write in your comments so we can deal with them in real time today. And if you're listening on podcast, I want you to kind of stop and think about that. Why do people react the way that they do when you change your identity out loud? It's not just that you've changed it on the inside, you know, or quietly in your peer group, you know, they may know that your Christianity is affecting or changing how you think, but it's when you begin to live it out loud, when you begin to be bold about it, when you begin yeah. to evangelize about it. I, I think the, the first thing that kind of comes to my head is love requires sacrifice. And most people don't want to sacrifice anything. I, we live in a space in this world economy of get as much as you possibly can. I don't want to have to sacrifice for another. And there is sacrifice in the relationship with Jesus. And so that's like my first just inclination and thought. It's because it's, it's hard. <laughs> wow. You know, John uh, Patterson writes, I think they fear God. That it, that is, um, that's really, 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 I think, really a deep one to consider. Um, Mommy Berry Official writes, because they are going against what their agenda is. So um, let's, let's start with the fear. I definitely think that when you start to speak the truth of God, it shines a light that can be very scary for a lot of people who've made choices to live a, against you know, the sort of created order of what God is, yeah. you know, and I, and I, I, the fear of God has made me stop a lot of things I used to do in my life because I didn't even understand, you know, I, sometimes I would get God's no on something in scripture and I didn't understand why he was telling me, no, I would just stop out of obedience because obedience is better than sacrifice according to scripture. But the Bible also says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So a lot of times what I find is that, and if you go on with the rest of that scripture, God basically says, you know, I'll explain it to you in time, but, but you got to stop. Like the fear of God makes you stop and trust God. And then eventually you get the wisdom of why he says, stop, change your behavior. You know, I, I, had, a, I had a couple of friends in the eighties come out of uh, living a gay lifestyle because our, God, one of our very best friends died of the mm. original strain of AIDS. And, and it definitely was, they, they had a fear of God in a way that was healthy and not healthy. You know, they had a fear of God, like, okay, God says not to be promiscuous or to engage in certain things. And I'm living a promiscuous lifestyle, by the way, straight or gay, you know, and um, it's killing people. I mean, there'd be enough wisdom in that to cause me to look at my habits, you know, mm. my behaviors. Um, yeah. But, you know, yeah. CD? Yeah, you know, I, it just makes me think of, uh, like, last night I was on, um, I was driving home after a full day with um, our Who Service team, and 
I was on the phone with one of my friends. Um, her name's Marlene, and she actually has a crazy testimony. Like she had tried to commit suicide by like shooting herself, and literally shot her whole face off. Entered into the presence of the Lord, and God brought her back, and totally reconst- like she survived, reconstructed her face, and she shares her to- story. She would actually be a good person to bring in girl club. She does a lot of stuff oh. with the at Calvary Golden Springs. She's Love a powerful it. evangelist. Um, but anyways, I was talking with her just about how we're in ministry and how in ministry um, we just have a lot of young people. Well, first we were talking about how we want to do like a worship prayer and afterglow night, you know, to just like get the fire going here in California. And then we were just talking about like how we were both sharing at a young adults conference on Friday and Saturday for a lot of the Calvaries here in Southern California and how so many of them are hungry, you know, and, and they're broken before the Lord and the gifts of the spirit were moving. And it was awesome. But we were also talking about how we were like, dude, we talked about very real sin on that night. You know, we talked about pornography. We talked about, you know, people struggling with different things. And there was a lot of young adults confessing very real sin and struggles in their life. And so when we're, I was driving home, I was like, you know, Marlene, you know, as some, as you know, when the Lord says, you know, that it's better to tie a millstone around your neck and be cast in the ocean than to lead these little ones astray. Her and I feel like such a responsibility to set a good example for the young adults mm-hmm. like and young people that, that God has brought in our sphere. And she's like, dude, and she literally said that last night. She said, Christina, I have such a fear of God in my life that that fear of the Lord keeps me away from sin keeps me of course we all get tempted but it says you know just obviously don't fall into those temptations you know that the enemy brings your way but she literally was like dude i don't fall into sin like certain sin if it comes my way because of these young people and these eyes and i don't want to stand before the lord and have him tell me that i stumbled these little ones and we just were really talking about how um there are so many people that I know of right now that serve in ministry that are in compromise. One of them I had to sit with last week over dinner for two hours, a girlfriend. And I said, you are in ministry. You have many people that look up to you and you are in sexual sin, dude. And mm-hmm. if any of these young girls that know that you, that look up to you know about this sexual sin in your life when we have warned you for the last six months it would ruin like that alone in itself. Yeah. You living a double life will erase mm-hmm. every prayer, every counseling session and every encouragement that you ever yeah. gave them. And it just really, it was just like the fear of the Lord, dude, that I had to really like in love share with an older sister, <laughs> but it's that same wow. fear of God that keeps me on the straight and narrow as I serve him. Because I realize that this generation coming up, they want to see the real deal in us. They see so much counterfeits in the social media. They see so much counterfeits in the world that if the church isn't real, if we are not walking out what we say, so many young people I meet say they don't want anything to do with church because of the hypocrisy. And if we don't live it out and walk it out, it will turn away a whole generation away from the love of Christ because they will say that we are just as fake as the world. And so Absolutely. we had this conversation last night and it was so real because mm. I was like, dude, like, and for me, all of us, right. Take heed lest we fall. I have so many boundaries and so many people put in place in my life that regularly are literally doing this. They're like keeping a pulse on me to make sure that like, I'm good. And like my life is very fortified, but even in that I'm always just have very strict things in place because I yeah. know that the yeah. enemy comes as I advance, the enemy comes, you know? Yeah. And, well, yeah. 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 You know, it's, it's Chris, uh, Christina at CB, you make me think of the scripture um, where Jesus says, not many of you should become teachers Yeah, because, because we're going to be judged with a greater measure, you yeah. know? And it, and it's like, it's like the other scripture that says, you know, uh, woe to the man who holds the name of God in unrighteousness. I mean, I, I think there's so many leaders on pulpits um, that don't understand the actual double portion of judgment that is coming 
our way if we're not responsible uh, for the example that we set as, yeah. you know, to young people. I think you just, like you, you nailed it. You know, um, you or I don't, I don't remember if it was you or Nova who said about, you know, the children, you know, yeah. not leading the children astray, you know, um, mm-hmm. It's interesting. You know, I see I see you guys um, on live stream, a lot of comments about the the fear, just this subject of the fear of the Lord. You know, um, I love the scripture, John, don't fear the one who can kill the body, fear the one who can kill both body and soul. Um, Miche writes in, I think fear of God can also mean respect for God, not necessarily fear as a scary thing. Okay, let me just say, absolutely, positively, one thing thousand percent i always equate the fear of god also with respect because the reality is reverence Mm -hmm. exactly the reality is i mean i look at leaders of our nations today i look at a lot of leaders in the church and honestly they have no respect for god they have no reverence not a real reverence for god so they don't even really they can't have fear of god because they just don't have any respect. And that's the thing. It's like, I think they work so hand in hand. You know, for me, it's like, you got to believe that God is real in order to fear him. You know, you fear you fear the, the, the consequences of living against the way he said, he prescribes for us to live because you know that the consequences are rooted in wisdom and love. But that's deep. Like who really loves you that way? With wisdom and love, your parents, they're the ones who really try to love you with wisdom and love. If you have children, I mean, for me, I try to love my son with love, like God's love and wisdom, because it takes wisdom to help him navigate this world. And there are times where I say to him, I love you, but because I love you, I'm going to tell you that's a stupid decision. Or I love you and I want to celebrate this choice you're making. This is the kind of choice you should be making to preserve your life, to have a good life, to have a successful life. You know, Um, he's in a big meeting right now and big with someone that, you know, people all over the world want to sit down with and get in this man's presence and favor. And the first thing my son did was write and say, I'm meeting with so-and-so, please pray. And so my Roger and I started praying for him, you know, that, that God's wisdom and will would come out of this meeting and not, and, and that he would have favor, but that he would also have the wisdom to see the other person clearly, because it doesn't matter who people are, or what their importance is in this world. It matters whether or not God is giving you a yes or a no about yoking yourself with them, even in a work situation. Mm. You know, it's like, I pray always that, no one would put anyone on a pedestal, not even, not us mm-hmm. even. I, I mean, the beautiful thing I, I think that I love about the three of you is that it's really my heart. It's like, you don't, you're, you don't want to be on a pedestal. You share your lives openly. You cry openly. You, you, you share your struggles. You know, you, you have good days and bad days and you don't hide it behind Christianese and behind, you know, fake Christian walk. You, you live it out loud for other people to see what faith looks like. And that to me is truly, you know, iron sharpening iron. It's truly fellowship is for us to be able to be vulnerably seeking the Lord together, vulnerably having a fear of God together, you know, being in a safe space with your sisters and brothers in Christ, where you can say, I'm struggling with this. And because I fear the Lord and don't want his judgment, I need to fellowship with you. I need to talk this out. I need to work through this issue with Mm. you. Um, Yeah. I have some thoughts, Cynthia, about this. Like I, I, we, you guys have shared so many beautiful things. I'm like, Lord, how do I encapsulate this thought? But in Revelation two, verse four, it talks Mm. about, you know, um, you know, in Revelation, like I have this against you, different church, I have this against you. And two, four says, um, I have this against you that you've lost your first love. And so when I think about the fear of the Lord, I don't, I don't know who said like, yeah, I don't think about God being scary, although I just revere him, but it's, 
the idea of being apart from him that makes me go, I can't be apart from him. And the love that he has for me draws me to himself. Therefore, I I don't want to set up all these like um, these big don'ts everywhere in my life if I'm just focused on Lord, you love me and I love you. And out of the heart of love comes all the things where if when you love somebody, remember being in love for the first time, you're just like, yeah. what can I do to please you? How can I bless you? How can I? So it's yeah. the love that just begins to grow in us. And it causes us to like, okay, Lord, what's next? How do I please you? How do I honor you? How do I revere you? So for, for me, I don't do it perfectly, but I know like that, that inkling and that, that part of me that is like, I am destined for love. I am destined to be loved by God and my life. Therefore, when I am so in love, then my life speaks that. It doesn't mean it always speaks it perfectly. But I think if we're so focused on, I don't want to sin. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. What are we doing? What's our, where's, what's our mind doing? Our mind is going, I can't, I won't, I don't. I, I, I. When we're focused on, I love you, Lord. You love me then that's what we're thinking about. So we're thinking about what we think about. Right. Mm. Yeah. That's, Actually, that makes me, that makes me think of just the other, I don't know if you ever heard this, but I heard this idea about fear um, being what you fear is actually what you worship. It's what's always on your mind. When you think about when you're stuck in this cycle of like fearful thinking, it consumes you. It's all you can think about. What if this, what if that, what if that? And, um, I actually have like a different idea of fear because I've been, as I've been kind of going through this process of healing with like even my own, like what is the expression of like my Christianity exactly? You know, I've, I've grown up per se, you know, my Christian walk has been primarily in a very charismatic expression of Christianity, which is very beautiful. You know, it's very free. Come as you are, come with your ripped jeans and your pajamas. We don't care. Jesus loves you. He's your best friend. It's awesome. It's so good. Um, but I found myself be- really being drawn to like something less flowy and more in a sense, substantial in a way where it was grounded on like, where it didn't feel so like flowy. I'll just put it that way. I won't get into all that. And the Lord really started drawing me and my family to orthodoxy, which they basically just been carrying, carrying down the traditions from the, the apostles, like basically straight from Jesus to the apostles. This is, this is how they worship God even their own, even their sanctuary is built in the likeness after the temple where there's a, the front is the Holy of Holies. Then you have the outer court and all of that. It's just beautiful. And every time I walk in to that sanctuary, I mean, it's like, I feel that immediate God is holy. I am not. And the fear isn't, I'm so scared of you. You're going to strike me down it actually is an awe and a wonder that I get to enter into the holiness of his presence. And that is where I think when you realize how holy he is, how totally other than he is, yes, he's, it, it makes your, it blows your mind for when you think about what Nova said, he came so close to us. He went so low so that we can't, he loves me. What? Like it says, he his it says like in his word, like, he should be feared because who is he who is like him who passes over our transgressions? Like he who is so holy bows low, covers us in his loving kindness so that we can draw near. And that's when I think of fear is like even recently, even with the Beckett, you know, when we had Beckett cook on and I'm so excited for you guys to hear from him. He's amazing. What I was really struck with is that is in my own life, taking away from his testimony was that I fear man a lot more than I fear God. And what it comes down to is that I value what man says more than God, more than what God says. I value man's values more than God's values. Mm -hmm. And, and I realize that in a way, the tendency for me is to worship a a worldly lifestyle as opposed to what is like, what, what are the values and the standards that God sets? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of the winds is the beginning of wisdom. How often am I like aligning myself with his wisdom? And it takes moment by moment because I'm so freaking weak, you know? So I look at fear and I go, I love that aspect of reverence, but it's because he's so holy, holy and transcendent and worthy. It's he's so beyond us. It's not necessarily like you're yeah. going to kill me, but you're so beyond me. You are actually worthy 
to be praised. You're worthy of my worship, of my thoughts and my time and my emotions. Not Mr. You know Joe Schmo over here who has like 60 million followers and owns like half the world. Like he's nothing but a drop yeah. in the bucket compared to you. Yeah. And I think that's that's where that's where life gets shifted when I fear God over man or worship. You know. Yeah. I, 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 you know, agree with you so much. You and Nova, you guys are like dropping so much truth here. I'm like, okay, hold on a second. Ah, my head's exploding because I have so many thoughts. And like, you know, one of them is, I mean, I guess I've lived this life where God allowed me to see behind the curtain of the great and powerful Oz, right? That's yeah. the best way I can describe it. And he is a short, balding little man. And when I raise my voice, he's intimidated and <laughs> and scampers away. So because I've seen that, I have zero fear of humans. I don't fear man. I don't fear human institutions. I don't fear human judgment anymore. That, you know, it's a process, right? But I've, I've, I feel like I've gotten there. But let me explain explain to you like the fear of God. I, I love that. We're kind of looking at it on all the different levels of what it means because guys, I had an experience that really did teach me about the fear of God. And the last issue in my life that I let go of. And if, for those of you who don't know my testimony, I do think I talk a little bit about it in my first book, which is essentially my testimony, uh, prodigal daughter, but my last issue to let go of in life really was guys. I loved boys. I mean, as a little, I just, I had so much to fix in me from being sexually abused as a little girl. And I'm a daddy's girl and I always wanted more of daddy. And so I went into my young adulthood, you know, really like in a certain sense, guys were kind of an idol in my life because I was looking for love. You know, now I would realize through falling in love with the wrong guy, you know, who was like, okay, to make the long story short, falling in love with the devil, that I was looking for love in all the wrong places, but I found the love that I needed, which was the love of Christ. So praise God, wouldn't change a thing at all about my testimony at all. I would do it over again for the simple fact that it gave me my son who is like, like when I think about God blessing me, sometimes it's just like, I mean, Nova and uh, Chris and CR, um, I know you get this because your mom's like, it's like, oh my gosh, what won't I do for this child that came out of my womb and took 14 hours to get into this world? Like, I'm just so overflowing with love for him. I'd go to jail again. Okay. And marry the abusive, crazy man again. So, but years after that, and I was saved, but not surrendered. Okay, because I think there's a distinction. I think there's a lot of people that are saved, but they have not yet surrendered. And they are two different components that are really critical to the power and the strength of your walk with God and you living out your purpose and your calling in life. So that said, so I'm now, um, thank you, John. I, we just got a text in and it, they, I love your crazy story, Cynthia. It is definitely a crazy story, John. Um, so, so it's really, uh, I'm probably, I don't know how many years into being saved. Um, and I'm really, I really realized that even after I got saved, cause you know, we get saved and then the process of, of cleaning up the fish, right. Is a long one. Like God goes out and he catches us on the hook, the hook of love. And then he brings us to the shore, right? And then he cuts us open and he guts us and he cleans us up. This, this, is, this is why I love the, the, that the disciples were fishermen because this analogy always made so much sense to me. Because if, if God just, like if I knew I'm gonna get on that hook, they're gonna cut my guts open and strip out all the ugly stuff, I probably would still be in the, o- be in the ocean going, oh, I gotta dodge that. I gotta dodge that hook because it'd be scary scary because it wouldn't be fear of God. It would be fear of what my life is going to look like without those guts, those ugly guts inside of me. Cause all I knew was those ugly guts sin, you know? So, so anyway, so I'm saved. I'm not surrendered. I have this beautiful boy, you know, I'm a single mom. I'm working in Hollywood. I don't have really fellowship with Christians. I did have Christian friends, but they were like me, 
they, they all needed boundaries, fellowship and discipleship. And so it was like the blind leading the blind, really. And they would have considered me less blind than them, which is hilarious. So um, I was seeing this guy and I'm going to keep it really real with you. I was seeing this guy and I knew I shouldn't be seeing this guy. <laughs> and um, it was a, a typical story. Um, I saw him and every bit of lust inside of me went off. I wanted him. I called my best friend at the time, Alan, who um, was gay. And I said, Alan, I just met a guy, was in the Hamptons at a friend's beautiful home, perfect scene <laughs> for sin. And, um, and I said, Alan, I just, I just met this guy and I don't care what the consequences are. I have to have him. And Alan said, whoa, sin, that's, that's a deep statement. And I said, that's how, that's how big it is. I have to have him. Um, and because of my sexual abuse, I think I processed a lot more like a man than a woman at a certain point in my life um, to protect myself. You know, I built a lot of walls. And so I would, you know, and I was groomed on sex in the city. So, you know, I had no real grid for what it meant to be a godly woman at that point in my life. And anyway, I remember um, spending the next few days with this guy, this guy who was, quote unquote, estranged from his wife and children. I'm going to share this honestly with you. Not, and I'm not proud of it, but I really, it taught me the fear of God in such a crazy way. Um, that's so real for me today. Um, and so we're seeing each other. And the first time that we're together physically in a matter of days, literally first time when we were finished, I felt, you guys, I felt a spirit of fear go through my body from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. It was a deep, deep regret, like a regrettable fear. And I went, oh my God, I'm pregnant. I said it just like that. And he goes, uh, I think it takes a few months, not a few minutes. And I just looked at him and I had tears in my eyes. And he goes, what is wrong with you? And I said, I don't know. It's fine. He leaves, goes back to where he came from, another country. And we begin this sort of relationship back and forth on the phone. And, you know, that goes through the next couple of months. I'm filming a show in New York for Sony called Life and Style. So I'm on a crazy set every day with Jules Asner, Kimora Lee Simmons, and a comedian named Lynn Coplitz. No one was living for Christ. That, it, was, it was not that. It was definitely not that. And um, I knew Christ and wasn't living for him. So, I mean, they really only knew him through me saying, let's pray about it all the time, or God has a plan. You know, uh, the Christianese that wasn't connected to Christian reality, you know? Wow. And so um, one day on set, I'm doubled over in pain. And it had, it, it had, it started the night before. And we, we filmed two shows a day. After the first show, the executive producer, a lovely man named Ray Giuliani, uh, came out of the booth and he said, okay, Sin, you look like death on air. Are you okay? And I looked at him, I had tears in my eyes and I said, I don't know what's wrong with me. I have so much pain in my body. I don't know what to do. And he said, you need to go to a hospital. He said, I'm looking at you and you don't look right. You don't. And it's scaring me. I'm looking at you in a camera and it's scaring me. And I said to him, are you kidding me? I've never missed a day of work. I've never missed a day on set. It had been years in my career. I was the girl that never missed a day of filming. Like you just didn't do it. Plus I was a single mom. Like you didn't do it. I needed the job, you know? Salumbra, while my friend worked on that show, I just got a comment in. Well, that's crazy. Wow. So anyway, um, wow. Uh, so he basically says, we're about to take a break between shows. I want you to go on your lunch break. I've called a, a gynecologist. She was a gynecologist who worked for the women on The View at the time and had delivered Lisa Ling's kids or something like that. So she was this big New York uh Jewish doctor, right? Very regarded. He says, she's going to make room for you. Go straight. 
you know, I want you to do go straight to the hospital or the wherever she's sending you. She sent me to an office of hers where the her nurses got me in and did a bunch of tests. And she said, let me look at everything. I'll call you back. By the time I got to the studio, so now we're talking an hour turnaround. I went 15 minutes to the doctor's office from the studio. She got me in and out in 15 minutes, got me back to the set. By the time I got back to set, Ray came out to meet me as I was getting out of the car. And he looked at me and he looked terror, ter- like terrified. And he said, I need you to get on the phone with the doctor right now. And I'm like, Ray, I just left the office. I just did tests. He said, right. And she just called me. I get on the phone with her and she said, get back in your car or I'm sending an ambulance. I need to meet you at Mount Sinai. You need to go into surgery immediately or you will die. And I said, I, I said, what are you talking about? Like, you know, I'm in pain, but what's the problem? She said, Cynthia, you're, you're pregnant. You have an ectopic pregnancy and your tube is exploding and your body is filling up with toxin. What? I was pregnant that very first time. I end up being rushed to the hospital. I go in for surgery. I come out of surgery. Um, I managed to call. I, someone called my mom who then got on the phone with me as I'm in. They've now moved me from recovery into a hospital room. I'm so sorry. I'm trying to make this a short story, guys. Um, and my, my mom gets on the phone with me and my mom said, I'm trying to get there. And I was like, mom, I said, I don't feel good, you know? And the doctor came in and I could tell looking at the doctor that she was terrified. I could just, and I looked at her and I said, is everything okay? And she said, I, you've got infection all over your body. I don't know what to do. And yeah. she said, it, it was Passover. Or it was a Jewish holiday weekend and she was all dressed up. And she said, I'm going to be back. And I, I got to go to a family thing and then I'll be back. She was going to her family what? event and coming back. That's how scared she was for me. And so the second time I said to my mom, because my mom said, I can't get there until tomorrow. And the doctor, doctor said to my mom, come as soon as you can. When she left me in the room, I, I just knew. And I literally, I said, God, I know what this is. This is a judgment I deserve. I don't believe you judge us for the sin in our life, just like you've never judged me really for the sin in mine. But this is the sin of rebellion. Mm. I heard exactly what I said in that first moment. I don't care what the consequences are. I just have to have him. I Mm. wanted him physically. It was overwhelming the way I wanted him with desire. Right. And I, and I went into repentance like I've never, ever been in before. And I said, if this is my last night, my repentance is about getting into heaven when you take me out of here. I am so, 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 so sorry. And I, I beg you to take care of my son because Christian was a little boy, you know? And I, 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 I mean, I cried for an hour. It reminds me of when David repented of Bathsheba. Like wow. I cried I, 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 I grieved and then I kind of had to get over it and find a peace in the fact that the judgment of God was, was just. So all I could really do is ask for mercy for my sin. And the next morning, um, when the doctor came back, she walked in and her face had this look of shock and she's sitting there looking at her papers and she goes, I have no idea what happened all the infections gone. And I knew, Mm. I knew what it was. I knew what it was. I knew it was the mercy of God. And it was him giving me another chance to really and truly understand that we Mm. should fear God in the sense that you guys, he breathes life into us and he can take that breath so easily from us. We are not here to be celibate, to get a husband. We are not here to live righteously so we get a reward. We are his servants. Our life no longer belongs to us. It belongs to him. And he has an incredible life for us 
But if we're going to get in the way of that with sin and rebellion, he does not need us here. And I really saw it in that moment so strongly. So for me, I got a respect and a reverence for God, but also a fear of sin. The fear of God should really be the fear of sin. Sin exists to take you away from God. And a lot Mm. of that taking away is death. The Mm. wages of sin is death. It's Bible. It is Bible. And so honestly, if you've not died because of your sin, it's not because it's not because God God isn't real or because your sin's not bad. It's because he's so completely merciful. He's so Mm. merciful, but his mercy has a limit. His mercy has limit. And I pushed him to the end of the of, of all limits. And it was that guy. It was that guy that caused me to surrender. Because after wow. that experience, I called him and I said, I cannot see you anymore. I cannot, I I can't see you anymore. And I can't do this anymore. Why? Why? I said, number one, you're married. Number two, I'm, I can't have sex out of wedlock anymore. Like, and I was like, and Lord knows I've pushed this sex issue as far as you can push it. I mean, I've always had sex with my boyfriends because I thought, well, we're in love and he's a Christian or I'm a Christian or he's a believer and I'm a believer. And you know what the reality was? I realized like if God never gave me another day of physical interaction with anybody in my life, if I never had a husband, if I never had any of it, it didn't matter. Mm. Because I don't deserve it. Amen. You know, which of us can say that we deserve anything? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Cynthia, that was so beautiful, dude. Because I like your story is so similar to what Nova said that it was like for you to be separated from the greatest love you've ever known. That was that fear, you know, that came upon you. Mm -hmm. Or a fleshly love. Yeah. Or fleshly satisfaction. Yeah. By the and way, that wasn't even love because he couldn't even get on a plane and make it to the hospital in time. You know what I mean? Like the stupid yeah. stuff that we do. Like, mm-hmm. And what does God require of you, right, Cynthia? I mean, your life is the living te- testimony of yeah. acting justly, loving mercy, and walking yeah. humbly with your God because yeah. of this testimony. I'm like, Cynthia, right. <laughs> Cynthia. Praise God, the infection gone like that after repentance, God revived you. She's coming from like her Jewish Passover dinners in her suit dressed up. And she literally went from looking at me like, oh my God, this girl's going to die to looking at me like, oh my God, what happened? They couldn't get the infection out of my bloodstream. They couldn't stop it. So she was just like hoping my mom made it before I died. And it was crazy. It just went away. Right. Cynthia, but I just love that you just said it was that guy who that was your point of surrender, though. And like you think of like the twist in that you're like, you're, I mean, the fact that you're like, I push God to his limits of his mercy. But what if this him knowing the end from the beginning was like allowing this because he knew that this would be your turning point, you know, and that was his mercy fully extended and being lavished on you. You know, it just, it just shifts everything because, you know, like, like what, what does it take for all of us to get to that point where we're like, I've had enough because I've surely gone back and forth and back and forth. And it took losing so much to finally go, oh my gosh, I, I, you are better. I surrender. You know, that point of surrender is, is really intense for each and every one of us. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's true. You know, it's, it's, and I was always the kid, like I prided myself on saying, God, if you want me to know, you better hit me over the head with a brick. You know, I'm going to miss it. Otherwise I I still think I'm kind of that stupid kid that needs to be hit over the head with a brick. Like, is this really you God? Bam. Oh, okay. It's really God. But I mean, that was just, you guys that, I mean, I, I knew I was in so much rebellion. And it's so people don't equate sin to rebellion, you know? And a Mm -hmm. lot of times, a lot of times, I don't know, a lot of times it's, it it doesn't feel like rebellion. You know, you're not there because you want it to be rebellion, but the reality is 
we're rebelling against truth. We're rebelling against love. Uh, you know, all of the attributes of God, truth, love, mercy, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. We're rebelling against all of it when we choose to put on sin and take him off. Yeah. You know, it's like nothing was the same anymore after that. I would go into a bar or a nightclub and I felt like I had, mm, I just took God off and walked into darkness. I just mm-hmm. couldn't do it. Everything, mm-hmm. everything just started to change, you know, and, and Laverne, we just, I just got a comment written in, Lord, help me to fully surrender everything to you. That is truly the prayer, sister. That is truly the prayer because he will help you. And honestly, I realize like it's only true surrender that, you know, Christina, you're, you're right. I wouldn't even be here today without it. And that's why I think I'm so unabashedly unconcerned with whether humans approve of the choices for to live my life for Christ, mm-hmm. you know, or the or the choice to write books and say, look, you know, God loves all of us, but this is the truth. And and I think it's why, you know, I changed last week everything about the way I write my next book because we were looking at dealing with the issue of celibacy, and I realized it's not a it's not you can't write just a book about celibacy and I'm not the girl to write the feel good Christianese, nice, nice book. Anyway, I just please don't, I know, please not, don't do it. We don't need those. Right. Cause, cause it's like, no, you need to, you need to like uh, make me understand why I shouldn't get in bed with this guy and all my flesh is going, hallelujah. He's going to set me free at least tonight or at least in the moment. And that's the, that's the culture that we live in. Like we are speaking against a powerful force. The mm-hmm. enemy has rooted us powerfully in lies. I mean, we have built identity based on lies. We create TV shows and movies based on lies. Media whispers the lies into our soul and we absorb them and we teach them to our kids. And so we're building generation after generation on lies. So in order to combat those lies, I'm like, what needs to happen? And where did the lies begin? Well, the Holy Spirit said to me so loudly, the issue is sex, period. You have to talk about sex, why I created it, what it's for, you know, the many proofs about why sex is so beautiful and destructive like anything else when it's used outside of God. You know, you, you got to go there. Like it's sex. It's the twistedness. There was a comment uh, earlier and someone nailed it. And I don't know if you can find that comment, but just about how we really twisted and perverted sex. And because of that, our identity is greatly perverted because sex and identity almost go hand in hand today. It's, it's sex is such a God, you know, it's the thing, you know, and I realized based on something that you guys will hear Beckett teach about when he's on, I realized listening to him that sex is something we navigate with God all the time as Christian women in the form of a spouse. You know, I'm waiting until marriage, but Lord, I've waited a long time. Where's my husband? And it's like, well, what if God is saying, daughter, I'm really waiting for you to get to the point where you can say, where you can answer my question. What if this is as good as it gets? What if all you got is me, daughter? That's it. You get Jesus. Can you handle that? Is that enough? Is he really like Christina's song? A love from God to others is the way. And yet love is so twisted today. And all we see on TV movies and such. John, thank you for that comment. But truly, Christina, Christina Reynolds wrote the song. Is he really your great reward? I mean, Christina, that's why, you know, I think sometimes I'll say to you, I love that song. I love that song. And maybe you never got it. I'm going to tell you why I, I love that song so much. Because, because when I heard that song, it reminded me of the experience in which I realized that God was the only reward I wanted. Wow. Because Andrew wasn't. And, you know, Andrew's Andrew, a young guy, right? Andrew died, um, died about five years ago, actually. And, um, uh, 
in Australia. And he called me before he died out of the blue after all these years. And he said, I just wanted to talk to you. Mm -hmm. I don't even know how I happened to answer the phone. Um, I don't even know how he had my phone number, but he called and um, I ended up talking to him and, and he said, Sid, I'm, I'm, I'm dying of cancer. Mm-hmm. And it, it, and, and I said, well, God can heal you, you know? And he said, it's the third time it's come back. And he goes, and I, I'm dying. And he said, I just, I don't know. I felt to call you. And I knew immediately why. So I was like, I said, Andrew, have you given your life to Christ? And he said, I don't feel worthy, sin. He goes, because it's not like you were the only woman I cheated on my wife with, for Pete's sake. I mean, he was a big athlete. So there were a string of chicks all over the world, you know? Mm-hmm. And I and I just said to him, I said, oh, Andrew, listen, I rebelled against God knowingly. Like, you can, you are so worthy. He wants you. And he said, my sisters are all praying for me like you are. And they keep saying the same thing that, There's nothing I did that God can't forgive. And I said, Andrew, God wants to forgive you, please. And we talked and and I said, can I, can you say the sinner's prayer with me? And he did. Wow. And he did. And we got off the phone after he, he repented and he accepted Christ. And he, um, he said, I'll call you in a couple of weeks if that's okay. And I'm so happy that you're married and that your life is good and blah, blah, blah. And I never heard from him again. And I saw on Facebook about a year later that he died four weeks after that conversation. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. And it was like, and I knew, I, I said to Roger, I'm like, that God allowed me to be a part of that. Um, that full circle of sin and rebellion coming completely under the glory of God. Wow. Mercy. That is so, that's so, so merciful. Beautiful. Yes. So kind. The Lord is so kind, isn't he? Yes. Doesn't it just change everything? Doesn't it just yes. make you want to be surrendered? Yeah. 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 Wow. I, I'm also just, I, I think what I've been, as I'm like hearing, you know, as I heard Beckett's story, I'm hearing this story that I've never heard from you ever before, Cynthia. And I thought I knew everything no. yeah. after like 10 years. No. Well, it's, it's still, yeah. It's, yeah. It. I mean, it, I, you know, I try, I'll joke or laugh around the fringes of some of the, some things, but sometimes, you know, the details are so powerfully wow. just shameful and sinful and that I don't eat. It's like, Wow. But that's why this book all of a sudden became that much more important to me because I said to you know my publishers, I said, listen, I have these experiences that are the reason why. They're the proof of why God wants sex preserved for the marriage bed. And I said, and in the 60s and 70s, the sexual revolution and the feminist mm-hmm. movement changed the expression of, of sex. In, in a generation, changed it. I really feel that it is time right now for a revolution of purity and a revolution mm. of, of that, is, that brings clarity about sex because we need to change. We need to, it's it, that, jet, that, that change in our culture needs to die. It needs to be nailed to a cross and crucified. And we need to start a new movement. And that movement has everything to do with Amen. sex falling into its proper place in our lives, in our society, and in our culture. And I don't want to write a nice feel-good book only for Christians. I want this book to be for Christians, but it should also be for culture because culture is lost to sin. And mm. sex is the greatest weapon. Sexual confusion, yeah. sexual identity, sexual mm. twisting, sexual perversion, drugs mm. and sex hand in hand. Alcohol and sex go hand in hand. Like everything feeds the ultimate worship of our flesh, which is sex. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah. (laughs) Write the book, Cynthia. Write the book. (laughs) book. Yeah. 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 So it's, this is, you're switching your book 
to be about this instead of what you had previously written a whole book about. Yeah, you guys, I've gone through, literally, I've never had a situation with my publisher where we literally cannot, like we start, we started out writing a book on cancel culture. I wrote the book and turned the book in. Right. And, And I was like, I don't really feel led to release this book. Maybe I'll release it, you know, direct to Amazon or something, you know, uh, it, because it's like the Christian response to cancel culture, but it just started to feel like, I was like, you know, cancel culture is so stupid. It's going to cancel itself because the yeah. people that the cancelers who created it were too stupid to realize that they're so rooted in sin that it, it's a matter of seconds before that clock hits 12 for you and your life too, dude, because no one is free from something that they could be canceled over. How arrogant to think that you could judge someone else when we're all a hotbed of sin and mess in our own homes anyway to deal with. Like you're looking at the log in your brother's eye. Yeah, deal with the one in your own. You know what I mean? Like the speck in your brother's eye, right? Yeah. But so I've kind of tabled that and it's sitting there. And then they said, well, what, what, what really gets you sin? And I said, well, identity, celibacy. You know, I, I always go mm-hmm. back to the purity, purity of mind, body, and soul because they go together. But then as I started really grappling with that, it's bigger than that. It's really just sex in all of the way that we've misused it. And Summer, our, ju- our little junior te- you know, team member here, she said to me, Auntie, my generation, I think, would not have problems waiting for sex until marriage if you teach them the way you taught me all of the proof about why we should wait. We want to know why. And it's true. I raised Mm -hmm. my son and I gave my son the ability to ask why. And my mom used to want to pop me upside my head. Okay. Old school black mama. Why are you giving that boy a choice? What? Why is he asking you why? Mom, it's not intellectually evolved to not let your children be a part of the decision-making process the way you did. She goes, yeah, because the Bible in my house was don't do as I do, do as I say. Hey, I don't need to tell you why. You're a child. Do what I tell you. Now, there's a lot of actual truth in what she's saying because my generation took away all reverence, you know, for parents. I mean, in a way, I mean, think about it, you guys. We got a generation of kids who, you know, they call their parents by their first names or their parents are their friends. You know, yeah. I have I have girlfriends who are like, well, you know, I, I, I want to be their friend. I was like, you know what? I don't want to be. I don't care if my son considers me a friend. I'm his mom. I mm-hmm. want to get him across the finish line of life and into the heaven, into heaven. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's my job. And mm-hmm. so I realize, like, that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a bunch of kids who want to know why. Well, why? Mm-hmm. Well, why God? Why God? Question mark. First of all, mm-hmm. biggest question. Is there a God? Why a God? Why should I follow God? Why should I listen to what he says about my body, my sex, my way? You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, I listen to these women talking about. I mean, Chris Rock's stand-up is so incredible because he actually says in his stand-up, okay, ladies, I'm on your side. I mean, if y'all want to murder babies, it's your body. Go ahead and murder babies. And everyone's like, uh, do we clap? Do we applause? Because he comedically is laughing at what they're fighting to do in the pro-choice movement. Okay, I mean, and no matter what side of the issue you're on, I know you can't regulate righteousness, you know, and I know, and I I can go through all the arguments as, as to why I feel, you know, I'm pro-life, but, but I mean, you have to call it that, Mm. you know, I mean, the head of Planned Parenthood calls it that, Mm. you know, for the, the head of Planned Parenthood is like, we no longer are interested in the science of the fact that life begins at conception. We know that Mm. you can Google this stuff. You guys, we know that scientists have proven that it's not about that. It's about the woman's right. Mm. It's about the woman's right to do what to commit murder. Mm. I mean, you know, Cynthia, Cynthia, honestly, dude, like, I know we're like in closing statements because we're close to the hour. Yeah. I really believe, dude, that this generation needs a book from someone as seasoned as you that has been through the main. Because sometimes like this generation, 
I don't know what it is, but I've had people tell me lately, like, dude, they listen to you because you're the cool one. And I'm like, why am I the cool one? And they're like, well, because you've you've lived life outside of the church, you know, like with modeling in the mainstream world. So I'm aware of like, I get this generation because I've lived that life. And they're like, that's why they listen to you. And I think that's why a lot of kids, when they look at me, they're like, dude, we get it. And with you, Cynthia, you've lived that life. You were a part of that world and you've lived the life in the church, which is why they're going to listen to you and you're seasoned and you're like a mother speaking to them. And that's what this generation is looking for, dude. So many of the issues these kids are dealing with is because mom is absent. Dad is absent. They don't know who mom is or dad is. And for them to have like a spiritual mother in the faith who's cool and bad, you know what, like you, you know, like you're just like awesome. Like, dude, I'm telling you, Cynthia, your cancel culture book would have been like relevant, honestly, for a season. Right. This Mm -hmm. book you're going to write is timeless, dude. This is for this generation, Cynthia. I'm telling you, there's nothing out there right now. I'm having these conversations with youth and young adults left and right. And I can't think of a book. Ryan can't think of a book. Like none of us can think of a book that's relevant enough that a youth or young adult would pick up today and be like, that looks cool. I'm going to read it. Not because it has a cool cover, but because you have street cred enough to talk about these subjects. They don't want to hear from a nun, dude. I'm sorry. A lot of these women are just <laughs> well, very they won't. square. A lot of women in church are very square. They're not yeah. here. They don't want to hear from a square, dude. They want to hear from someone that's walked the same road as them. So you're the one, Cynthia. So I'm stoked for you and I'm going to be like getting your book into the hands of a lot of young people who uh, need this, dude. It's needed. It's, it's an answer to a big problem, dude. I'm Thank telling you. you. Thank you. And I do ask for your prayers because I'm at the beginning of a long journey, but you know, I haven't felt as powerfully um, clear about yes. what I'm supposed to write and that I'm supposed to write it since I shared my testimony. And I realized mm-hmm. that, when I shared my testimony, I'm just, you know, I didn't have any, you guys, I mean, I, I self-published my, my first book, Prodigal Daughter, right? And, and there was nobody but God, because God was like, I don't need you alive anymore if you don't share this testimony, because who's to say I didn't save you to share this testimony? Because, <laughs> and, and, and I'm telling you, when I got it that loud and clearly, that fear of God took over. I walked straight out of this Bible study where I got that message, got in the car. I called Roger and I called Christian and I said, I love you both, but you're a distraction and I'm going to go to hell if I keep being distracted with you. I got to go get away silently for about three months and I got to write this book. And Roger's like, well, there's my girl. She never does anything with a sense of normalcy. And so I literally, I literally went away for three months, rented a house in Palm Springs and hid out in the desert and wrote my testimony. And and I sold more, I've, I have sold more books of Prodigal Daughter that I self-published with Amazon than I have of I Choose Victory that I did with the publishers and the team and the blah, blah, blah. And I know that this book, this yes. next one, this sex book, whatever you want to call it, is as directed as Prodigal Daughter. And so, so I do ask for your prayers, guys, because what I realize here every week with all of you on girl club and, and yes, it's time for us to go, but what I realize and thank you, John and, and Angie and Miche and all of you, Salombra for your comments. And um, there's a couple of them we didn't get to this week and, and we will pick them up next week. But when I really think about the beauty of what we have here and why it's so impactful, it really is because of our transparency and leaders become afraid to be transparent. And I don't want to be that person because I would rather risk one person judging me because I have sinned before Mm. than losing maybe the 101 that might get saved because they have an example of someone who sinned before who repented and Mm. who God then moved into ministry. Yeah. Who has a life and an ability to still reach out to people. So I think that's just all of us. It's just why we're here, you know? So I love you guys. Thank you for, I didn't plan on going there at all. To be honest with you, I didn't know where we were going this week. I was kind of like, yeah, Holy Spirit, let's just roll. And I really didn't. And as always, you guys are like deep wells, you know, and, um, 
Glad you did. Yeah. Glad you did, Cynthia. Thank you. Thank you for sharing so much from your heart. We all have much to glean and learn. And I, I tell you, listening to you compels me to love. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Nova. Thank you. That's a big statement because you're like one of the most loving people I know. <laughs> <laughs> you love in the midst of your own pain and turmoil and dramas and everything. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Well, yeah. I love each and every one of you guys. And, and thank you guys for listening and for allowing us to be a part of your journey in Christ, yeah. you know, because I, I mean, when I say I realize what an honor and a blessing it is, oh, trust me, I realize what an honor and a blessing it is. You're so precious, each and every one of you listening. You're so precious. God loves you so much. His forgiveness is truly everlasting and his mercy is not like man's mercy. Mm. So we're yeah. going to say um, peace out for the week and we will see you next week. God bless. God kept calling my heart. Like, I just knew he was my safe place. I hope people don't walk away going, wow, you're really awesome. More than like, wow, Jesus is really interesting. And he's really awesome. Everybody on this planet is dealing with some sort of what if. How does that one courageous decision affect the whole world? A ship in harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are built for. If you were encouraged by what you just heard, please search Trevor Talks on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com.